We are live once again. Everybody knows every Tuesday at 8, another exciting edition of the MCW cast. As always, I'm legacy MCW announcer Larry Legend. I'm MCW promoter Dan McDevitt. And I'm Tara. Welcome to MCW cast. Episode Number, yeah, 21. 21. Yep. 21. 21 gun salute. We are old enough to drink. Yes, indeed we are. And you know what the, the drink of choice <laughs> is here? <laughs> Coffee. Well, well. well, water, that's better for you. But coffee and shout out as always to our coffee club members. Coffee has water in it. I just want to say that. It does. So it's yeah. like drinking water. Well, okay? there's a lot more in it than just water. It's, okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> thank you to our coffee club members. And we are drinking up even in the hot, the hot summer month of June. Uh, we are still drinking our coffee right here inside the studio, and we want to thank everyone for their contributions through all of the avenues that you can contribute to make this show possible. That's right. I do think we're going to need one of those uh, little mobile air conditioners, though. What do you think? Yeah, maybe. For the yeah. Studio? That, and have we raised enough money to get a box of cold brew? Remember we talked we a few episodes ago? I want brew. some cold yeah. brew in here when it really gets into, like, July. Right. And I hear that the heat is going to be all the way high in July. Well, for our local fans who have ever been in here for the Shanrock Cup, they know that July is the hottest, and it tends to fall on, like, the third weekend in in July, which is always historically the hottest weekend of the summer in Maryland. So we are here in this little box, and, um, <laughs> yeah, I think some ventilation might be in order. So with that said, if you want to contribute to the MCW cast, become a coffee club member Every little bit counts, and uh, as soon as we get that box of cold brew up, we'll be sure to pour ourselves some nice glasses of iced <laughs> cold brew to enjoy as we deliver to you another exciting edition of the cast. And speaking of exciting editions, how about our guests last week? Yeah. Yeah, it was a great conversation. I think we realized <clears throat> Pat being really a guy that goes back to the, the beginning of MCW, um, you know, it was a, a whole bunch of like OGs in here, MCW mm -hmm. last week. It's so much history and so much in two decades, you know, more than two decades, um, that we we probably could have easily done a whole nother two hour episode with just questions we thought of as we were finishing mm -hmm. up, yeah, and um, getting out of here. But obviously, we have some time constraints mm -hmm. we have to adhere to in order for um for the podcast. We could go forever on YouTube, but obviously, the podcast we got to keep it under two hours. So. I guess somewhere down the road we're going to have to have uh, episode number two with Pat. Yeah, two point two point five. I think we said that about most yeah. of our guests. Yeah, we should bring them back for some follow up um, questions. Well, and that's the thing after. Um, after the episode with Pat Brink, I actually got a couple of emails from fans who said, oh, I had some questions for him because I guess they just didn't realize who he was. And then after listening, it was like, oh, I wanted to ask that or, you know what I mean? So I, people definitely would have some things that they, to talk about with him. Well, he went, he went, I guess he went by Genesis for a long time. Mm -hmm. how, how long he was, he hadn't really been super, super active. Yeah, Genesis uh, uh, for the first leg of his career. I think it wasn't until he got signed, or right before he got right, signed, when he was down in developmental. He had a different name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rain. What was his Cal name? It was Calvin, Calvin Reigns. Reigns. Yeah, Calvin. but he had another name in between there, though. Before he was Calvin Reigns. Now right. it's a man of many names. It's, it, well, that's part of yep. the territory with it's wrestling. And part of the game. Yep. You know, one thing that I want to say before we get to you know all the different avenues of catching the podcast. One thing I want to say, and I felt like I didn't have a right to bring this up because I wasn't present for the Kim episode, but there was a comment that Pat uh, spoke on that Kim made 
about the Zachary Shane incident. And she said, you know, kind of out of the side of her mouth, well, you were one of Dan's goons at the time talking about why she, you know, knew that Mm -hmm. or suspected that Dan and the guys had put him up to that. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to say this and I didn't say it to Pat and I apologize for not bringing it up to you, to your face, Pat. I have a tremendous amount of respect for you. But that was kind of a reputation that he had gotten for himself or Mm -hmm. gained because of other incidents where he felt that as a young up-and-coming guy, he needed to stick his chest out Mm -hmm. and and really show a lot of bravado. And I'm thinking about, and you all know this as MCWOGs, the Eric Shea incident that happened at Michael's Mm -hmm. 8th Avenue, which was... Kind of instrumental to me getting my job. Do you, do you remember right. this? He had the <coughs> right. battle royal. Vaguely, and right. His mom tried to jump in and, mm-hmm. you know, said she could clearly see that Pat was really laying it in mm-hmm. on her kid. And he actually did have to be admitted to the hospital. Well, there was a bunch of contracts. all about So I, I will never forget it because, Good. Dan, you know, um, I went around and got everyone to sign the sheet. I got every single person performing on that show to sign the waiver. And the lawyer right. at the time was like, well... You guys did your due diligence. Uh, it's the first time I even heard that term before. And you, you know, signed that, you know, the, they're trained, they're professionals, and that they're not going to come after you if something goes awry. But not saying in Kim's defense, but I, I, I didn't say this to Pat at the time, but I thought about it in reviewing our episode. Like, well, you know, Pat, you kind of did have a, a, a reputation being the head trainer right under Bruiser back in those days of really being a, a tough goon, if mm-hmm. you will. So, you know, food for thought. Y'all do the dishes. But I just <laughs> wanted to, like, you know, bring right. that up and, and bring up why Kim maybe did say on her her appearance that, well, you know, Pat, Dan's number one goon or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever she had said, right. kind of. And he like, reply, he responded to that. Yeah, fair, so, right. Yeah, absolutely. So, with, you know, with that, that whole Eric Shea incident, too, I mean, it's a tough thing anyway. And and I don't disagree that Pat had that reputation back Mm -hmm. in the day. But at the end of the day, honestly, um, I mean, I don't know. There's you get in the ring and I mean, who's to say who really makes what who who make who passes judgment or makes judgment on whether something's stiff in the ring or tight in the ring or the degree to what, you know, um, someone, you know, throws. You know what I mean? To me, it's it's just. Always, I never understood. If you don't want to go to the hospital, you probably shouldn't be doing it, you know, or risk doing this. It's just kind of like playing football or baseball. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just a degree of physicality that, mm-hmm. that I mean, you got to expect. But, you know, Pat had a reputation for being tight, you know. Like and, redneck and Billy Redwood, yeah. RIP, you know. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, any when I wrestled, I, I was the same way. and mm-hmm. I, I But I was just the same way. I was like, bring it. And I would expect it for people to be like that with me in the ring. It may not have been the smartest, you know, pre all, all of the concussions mm-hmm, and all the information mm-hmm. that were, con- you know, about concussions. But <laughs> I always like to get in the ring and be physical. Um, well, I would rather it be more physical and more appealing visually to the people and not have people going, oh, that looked, that didn't even look like he touched him. Yeah, well, that's from the school of Bob Starr in that North Avenue uh, first monster factory and training on just the floor, you know, taking bumps on the floor and all of that. But if anyone is wondering, uh, if you're you're sounding like, what are they talking about? Catch our last episode, episode 20 Mm -hmm. of the MCW cast. It's on 
all of the major p- podcasting platform. Uh, if anyone wants to do the roll call. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, and CastBox. Thank and you, make guys. sure if you're digesting on those on any of those uh, podcast platforms that you subscribe as well. Don't just listen, but make sure you subscribe. It helps the algorithm. Um, it helps the podcast ranking in general if you subscribe to it on those platforms. And also, especially on YouTube and Facebook, if you like our page or are subscribed, then any new media that we put out there, whether it be MCW The Road Back or any other upcoming shows that might be debuting before long, you get the alert. So it's the best way to stay connected to all things MCW Pro. And uh, with that said... The beat goes on. Here we are, episode 21. And do we have a guest or do we have a guest in the studio with us tonight? Mm-hmm. What's left of him, right? Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Once he comes on in here, those of us who go way, way back <laughs> to the origins of this this gentleman's career, we know, knew a much larger Greg Excellent. But that's mm-hmm. who's going to be in the studio with us tonight, MCW Pro Star Greg Excellent. Stay with us. And we are back live with our in-studio guests. And let me correct myself from that outro. MCW Rage champion, Greg Excellent. Thank you, Greg, for joining us on the MCW cast. Guys, thanks for having me. Dan, the best hair in the game. Uh, Tara, Larry Legend, a legend. Great to see you, man. Good to see you, too. We go back many, many years, as I was mentioning with that last uh, outro into this intro. Uh, from when you were large and in charge, my friend. I was a full-figure junior heavyweight for, that, uh, for quite some time. That's right. Great. Excellent, man. Oh. No, no pun intended. <laughs> like I see what you did there. We're we just going to do dad jokes yeah, now? Right. Let's do that. <laughs> well, you look you, great, man. Seriously. You appreciate look absolutely it. phenomenal. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. That's right. Both of you can make those dad jokes, and appropriately so. Yeah. Daddies. I know. Uh, but Got my white New Balance at the house. Yeah. <laughs> Do you wear black socks yeah. with them too? Oh, knee highs. Oh, yeah, like a short shorts. Oh, tell me you wear shorts. If you're going to mow grass, you got to do it right. <laughs> yeah. Like a true daddy o. <laughs> That's right. I don't know. I just bought a tractor, so I don't have to worry about that. Oh, oh. Yeah. Hashtag <laughs> humble brag. <laughs> I'm allergic to grass. I had a legitimate oh, reason. I'm, I'm legit allergic to grass. And so mm-hmm. I got tired of breaking out every year, and I was like, you know what? I'll just ride over the grass. So I bought a tractor. So while, while we're uh, touching on it, um, for the fans that you know may not know, we reach a lot of people that, that aren't MCW fans. How much weight have you lost, um, and how long has it been? It's amazing uh, transformation. Hopefully so f- we can edit some pictures in um, to mm-hmm. the cast of some pre. and. So at my heaviest, um, I was 360 pounds. I know that for a fact. I went to a nutritionist December of 2016. Um I got on a scale. I, I I begged with the woman as I was taking off sweatshirt, sweatpants, shoes. She goes, "No, no, no, no you do it clothed." <laughs> so no, we're not. <laughs> so I was yeah. taking. I was. I went down as low as I could and uh, got on the scale at three sixty. And she's like, "Okay, well, you have to make some changes." And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." And it, at that moment, I didn't know, man. I was that was eye opening. I went mm-hmm. and sat in my car and I cried like a child, just because holy crap, how how life had just progressed to this point. Um, but I wasn't, it's funny because I wasn't still ready to make that dietary change in my life. And, um, but long story short, since 16, uh, I'm 180 pounds now. So I've lost 180 Mm -hmm. pounds. Yeah. You've lost a whole person. I've lost, yeah. Half of that guy. (laughs) Yeah. And and you did it. You did it with a lifestyle that's become very popular. When did you start keto? So, um, 
I, I had done like low carb and never had like uh, sustained success. I lost 50 pounds, gained 30, lost 20, gained 10. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, you know, very much yo-yo dieting. Um, May 1st of 2018, I took a picture of myself in the mirror and I had seen a whole bunch of people on Facebook doing a keto diet. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right. And I have failed uh, counting calories, counting fat grams, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig. I'd failed all those. This was, this was number seven. And uh, just said, all right. I'm going to see what happens. That's all. That's it. That's with as much effort I was going to put into it. Yeah, let's see if this one works. And I lost like 18 pounds in a month. And I was like, well, hold on a minute. I can eat 12 buffalo wings. I can have full fat dressing. I can have a salad with that. I just can't have croutons. Sold. <laughs> I'm in. Right. Uh, and and you know, I did it religiously since well, three years. And that's the thing. It's a lifestyle. It's not a diet. No. You know, I, I've been keto since February 1st of last year, of 2020. 20- mm-hmm. God, what 20? year? 2020. 2020. I'm like, yeah, what year? I don't even know. Um, you know, and I obviously didn't have 180 pounds to lose, but we were talking earlier before we went on the air. Like, it's a lifestyle change. Like, there's a lot of other benefits, you know, reduced inflammation, you know, lots of different things that can come from this lifestyle. So. Well, sure. I mean, just, you know, for, for example, I mean, my triglycerides were high, mm-hmm. uh, I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all of these things. You know what I mean? So then I started eating a diet that was built 75% of my intake was fat mm-hmm. and all of my numbers are perfect. My blood pressure is, you know, right. 110 over 70. Yeah. It doesn't seem logical, right? No, no. You know, because, no. because when you do diet and, you know, I mean, as a female in a business where you're judged for your appearance, I mean, I have spent, you know, two and a half decades worried about what I look like in the mirror. Well, before then too, but you know, so you're always conscious of that kind of thing. And so you don't order dressing with fat, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I guess what, I don't like vinaigrette, but I, I would, you know, order that every time I'll just have oil and vinegar, but just the vinegar, please. Well, I don't, you know, it doesn't even taste good, <laughs> but right. you're so conditioned that, you know, blue cheese is bad for you that you don't order it. And it's like to have a diet where you can have these things, but still be healthy, it almost goes against every single thing that you have been taught. It's changing what your body burns for fuel. It is. And and again, you know, there's there's so many detractors out there, people who speak negatively of that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And and you know what, whatever works for you, I don't care. You do what works for you. You find success in something and you're not you know, doing something illegal, you know, go on about your business and, and have your journey. Right. For me, this worked. Yeah. This this was where I found the most sustainable success to go from, again, 360 to, you know, 180. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, half a person. I'm right. all right. Yeah. That's very commendable. A lot That's awesome. In my, a, lot, a lot of fat in, intake. You know, while we're staying on this and before we take this, uh, you know, chat into the origins of your career, what sure. I want to ask you, and I, I actually have never asked you this before, but is after losing uh, the 180 pounds of Greg Excellent that the fans had come to know and love, did that change your style as far as uh, your high impact moves now that you were going to be kind of, I mean, I don't want to say cruiserweight, you know, Variety that wasn't the ver- the v- variant of Greg Excellent that was being presented, but there just seems to be when a 360 pounder lifts that leg up for his opponent to take the boot in the corner. To me, part of that is a little bit more believable than if you still are doing that when you've lost a lot of the weight. So, did you augment your style at all? So, I've never. Uh, I'll pull the curtain back. I've never been a great wrestler. I've I've been uh, an average wrestler. And an exceptional entertainer. I've I've lived my life 
and in wrestling doing the least amount and getting the most out of it. Um, I, I had a match in New York one time. We wrestled 40 minutes, uh, and I bumped once. And it was as over as can be. So it was like, you know, this makes sense. I'm, I'm going to do less and, and earn more out of it. For, for the weight loss part of it, uh, the bumps hurt a little less. Um, it's, it's less wear and tear on my body. And I've always had this mentality of I feel like a story within a character, right? So uh, as Greg Excellent going this journey and people see it, you see you know, at MCW, they see me once a month or so. They see that this guy is dwindling in size. He's on this weight loss journey. It certainly helps with accountability, right? Because sure. part of you doesn't want to be embarrassed the next time they see you, whether they're here every month or not. Like, oh, he looks a little chubby around the midsection. He must have fallen off the right. wagon. So it does help a little bit in the accountability department. But they're along with me on this journey where I almost have to relearn how to wrestle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I almost have to like, okay, well, I never did this before, so maybe we'll try it. And because of how my character is so comedically based, it does. I have the luxury of it not having to look pretty to be accepted and appreciated. I, I, I've been incredibly lucky for people to be very passively enjoyable of what I do. Hey, I want to take a second um, because we're talking about this, and it is such a big thing, and obviously a lot of people search for that. Um <clears throat> what works for them to get that weight loss. It's obviously such an important thing. Um, If people are listening to this and maybe have interest, could you throw out either like your social media or even Tara who does it? um, Maybe a couple like plugs of of where they can learn about keto if they have no idea and they kind of want to learn about it. Do you guys have Surely not Tara's Twitter because she's never (laughs) on. I mean, any any sites or whatever that you guys could recommend. They're going to check out our our YouTube show. Yeah, they can get a basic understanding. Yeah, every every once in a while, uh, Tara and I connect, and it's it's always like, hey, are we doing a cooking show soon or what? Like, I'll send him pictures. Look what I just made for dinner. Yeah, (laughs) I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Like, I'd made special keto brownies today for everyone. That's right. We had some appetizers earlier, so you know, I mean, I think it's the thing that appeals to me about doing a show with you is that you know we both came into it for different reasons, and I think, like you said, Dan, it's a lifestyle, and just putting it out there and showing other people how they can live this lifestyle too and enjoy some of these benefits is, you know, I think really valuable because, you know, there's anybody who diets has yo-yo dieted, you know, Mm, and so it's not sustainable. And so this is a lifestyle thing. Like, you know, I made brownies with sunflower seed butter, you know, did they taste like regular brownies? More or less, you know what I mean? I, you know, right, right, right. That's what I mean. Like, so it's just changing ingredients and learning how to cook with different ingredients and learning how, you know, nut flowers absorb more liquids and compensating for that. Like, I've always been a cooker, especially a baker. So, like, for me, it reinvigorated me because then I got to try new things. And, you know, whereas I was getting tired of making the same thing every night and stuff. So now I'm like, ooh, can I ketofy that? Oh, sure. <laughs> you, know? you know? You know, I'm, I'm still a chubby kid at heart. I'll sit there and watch Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives yeah. playing around with my belly button when nobody's awake. <laughs> I just think to myself, I can make that and I could use this, this, and this and really turn it up. Yep. Um, I mean, my social media, I'm I'm always available. If anybody's a friend of mine on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, you follow me. If you want to shoot me a message, I'm cool with that. I might not get back to you in the first 10 minutes, but I'll get back to you because there's plenty of people who have seen my journey and said, okay, how do I make this work? And again, it, it may not be for them, but if they're at least they're looking, they're working for it, they're mm-hmm. trying. Right. Um, and I'm, you know, Greg Skipper on Facebook. That's my 
shoot name. <laughs> um, uh, at Greg Excellent on Twitter, uh, Greg Excellent on Instagram. Right? Are you active on Twitter? Larry likes to give nope. me more time because I'm yeah, not you pop up on there every, every once, once in a while. while. Every yeah. once in a while, I, I drop a little nugget. And it's usually between sets of the gym. I'm like, you know what? This sounds entertaining. I'll put this out there. And it is, at least you're <laughs> contributing. Tara's still a silhouette. She hasn't even God. updated her profile picture to be like, I'm MCW Tara. <sighs> At least you're not an egg anymore. You're not. I posted something on Facebook the other day on my kid's birthday. That was about the first time I posted something in like eight months. I don't know. I'm just. Well, now that you're a podcaster, the people want to hear from you. We always say hashtag MCWcast. (laughs) You know, they will talk to me sometimes. If they track me down, I would answer their keto questions too. I'm all all about it. Any way I can help. Sure. There. Does that make you happy? It does. (laughs) I want to see you. I want to see you activated on there. (sighs) You're dormant. You're dormant like a cicada. Every 17 years, you tweet. Great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, well, that was something that um, I kind of wanted to pick your brain about, and I think we can get into it a little bit further. Cicadas? (laughs) I've used that in a promo before. The style of your wrestling. Is there any good keto cicada wrestling? So cicadas are keto friendly. So if you get the larvae when they're just emerging from the shells... You get the larvae where they're white before they've had a chance to, like, the wings come out and the eyes turn red and all. So you get them as they're just coming out of their shells, and you put them in the freezer to humanely kill them. And then you I would think the most humane way is just to pop them in your mouth. No, because then they're, like, moving. So that's a big no. So I guess you could if you're, like, hardcore like that. But you take the larvae and you put or the emerging ones, and you put them in the freezer. You freeze them up. Then you make yourself a little, you know, crushed up pork rind, Parmesan cheese, throw in some herbs and seasonings, toss them in there, maybe put a little... Egg wash. If I know, come to your house and you serve me cicadas, that will be the <laughs> last time we speak. Straight up. So <laughs> you probably wouldn't even done. be able to identify yeah, the way she's talking. And then you just fry them up and, you know. She's mm, talking about some mortar, mortar and pestle, like, you know, turning them right. into so a powder. I, so you can buy bags of frozen cicadas online. Like, people what? are out there harvesting them. I do not have the patience for that. So if Somebody like gave me. I would cook them. I would be willing to try them. I've had cricket flour. I mean, I could just see Tara outside of her new house with like a net trying to catch cicadas. <laughs> they are everywhere. Dinner's I gonna be late. I swear to God, at my house, they are the loudest of any place I have been. Like I have been standing in woods, and it's not as loud as walking out my front door. They are ridiculous. Well, you know, I think it's kind of beautiful because it's going to be 17 years before we hear the mating song. These Because it's all, only the males yeah, that are the making males. the, the noise. We're not going to hear them again for 17 years. And who knows? 17 years from now, we may not even still be around. <laughs> who knows? At the rate we're going, we may all not be. So here's the wild thing. If you pick up one of the cicadas and put it up to your ear, it does make that buzzing sound. But it's so low. And then you have to... So then when you think about it, how many are out there Mm -hmm. when you hear that really loud one? Like I put a decibel reader on my phone, right? Because I wanted to know. And so the level at my house is around 74 to 78 decibels, which is the the, like at the maximum end of where you want to be for healthy, normal levels. Like 80 is like hearing damage, right? So the decibel reader reads the cicadas outside my door as a vacuum cleaner. That's how loud it is. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, if you pick up one, you can hear them making that noise. So, think about how many millions there are. Supposedly, for every acre, there's like 1.5 million cicadas emerging. That's Wait, how long crazy. are they here for? Like, till the end of July. Wouldn't it be fun to just have like a side by side comparison of like decibel levels of like, here's the cicadas in this area, here's the entrance from MCW of the cartel? <laughs> <laughs> <Which is louder. laughs> 
I'd say I'd, I'd guess the uh, the cartel entrance with all that liquor that they have coming down to the ring with. The guy drinks before he <laughs> invites, you know? That's loud. <laughs> well, Greg, let's talk a little bit about getting into pro wrestling. Sure. Your start, how it all started for you. Backyard wrestling. I knew it. I, I knew it. I wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I started as a backyard wrestler. Actually, I started wrestling in somebody's basement in like 98. And how old were you then? Uh, 15. <clears throat> I don't know. No, 16. 16. I was 16. Uh, wrestling in somebody's basement. Uh, one guy went for a spear. And one guy went like this. And he head first into a concrete wall. And Ooh. I turned to my friend and I went, Maybe we should do this somewhere else. Yeah, so that was the last time we did that there. How bad did he get hurt? Oh, he was split his eyebrow open. Ooh. Did he? Oh, yeah. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. My, uh, so <laughs> one of uh, when I, a backyard wrestling story for me when we, like, the parents stopped us, um, a, a friend of mine got DDT'd on a tree root. Because oh, <laughs> we, we had, like, there was, like, four almost perfect trees Good. that are almost a perfect God. square. And we, I see wrapped ropes. <laughs> we, we did um, garden hose. We got garden hose and wrapped it around, so there was a tree root. And then, uh, yeah, the guy got and he had to. We had to call an ambulance. He took an oh, ambulance wow. ride, mm-hmm. and um, that was that was it for us. Our the parents kind of came down and was like, "That's it for us." That yeah, yeah how about no more. Well, no. <laughs> so that that spear <clears throat> into the wall um, really took us to like, okay, well, we have an acre lot where we lived at the time and it was like okay well can we just wrestle outside we'll put some mattresses down there's a bunch of friends we'll just kind of do that and that blossomed into well how cool would it be if we put up four posts and built a wrestling ring and my stepfather at the time he was a contractor and we put together a wrestling ring and that grew from a wrestling ring to a walkway to an entrance uh, to a fan section, it was we built a little arena in my backyard on Sykesville Road in Sykesville, <laughs> and uh, we were uh, just kind of living out that dream. We had music, we had you know we did shows every Saturday night. I'd say shows. We didn't charge money. Uh, it was just a bunch of friends that would come over, and we'd you know eat food on the grill, and we'd run a three-hour wrestling show, and then everybody would go home and clean up and do our thing. I was what, all we were doing. What was your name? I was Mr. Excellent. I was the two of us. I was a big Kurt Henning fan growing up. I oh, couldn't yeah, be Mr. Yeah. Perfect. Right. So I was like, I need another adjective and went with excellent. That's what okay. I landed on. Now you mentioned specifically that you didn't run shows because you didn't charge money for them. Did you ever get a call from the Maryland State Athletic Commission? A call trying? is is a light way to put it. A call is <laughs> a light way to put it. So September 30 of 2000 um the executive director, uh, corporal from the Maryland State Police, nine or ten squad cars, two canine oh units, uh, came upon my property. I say my property. I was 17 at the time. Came Ooh. upon my parents' property like we were uh, Walter White and had a meth lab going on. <laughs> um <laughs> And charged five adults and two juveniles, me being one. It was 10 days before my 18th birthday Ooh. with uh, $72,000 in um, business code violations. Yeah. Really? Talk about a real kick in the junk. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um, it was my stepfather at the time brought up on charges. Um Promoting without a license, uh, allowing people to wrestle without a license, 
and and such like that. Yeah, I I went to I don't know the juvenile whatever it was, and my you know my record is as clean as they get. But you know I was tried to make an example of. I went in there, I got PBJ and left. Now, what about was that were any of the charges upheld, or did you guys beat them all? We fought. We fought for two years. Put a lot of strain on a, a, a bunch of friendships and stuff like that. So we fought for two years. Ended up in a jury trial, a a two day jury trial in the state of Maryland over backyard wrestling. I want you to wrap your head around that for wow. just yeah, a second. Take right? that in. Take Business that in. code violations over backyard wrestling. Two that days, you weren't charging any money for. Not a dollar. Not I, a dollar. I, I had spent, in the time we did that, the time we actively wrestled in, in my parents' backyard, I had spent somewhere around $14,000 of my own money just in building this up. We wanted mm-hmm. it, it. wasn't. We weren't doing the stuff that you saw in 2020 at the time or Dateline. We weren't yeah. doing flaming tables and all that right. nonsense. Right. Just wrestling. We just, we liked the pageantry. We like That's why we built an entrance. We had mm-hmm. a music booth. We had a walkway. We filmed. We had a fan section. We did everything like, and we got a couple couple times, you know, cops showed up for noise at 830 at night because a neighbor two streets over is 200 years old and is trying to watch Matlock. <laughs> Who cares? So Matlock. Matlock was the man. Oh, oh yeah. Andy Griffith yeah. could get it. Anyway, so we never had any issues. You know what I mean? And then we were brought up on all these charges. We fought for two years, two-day jury trial. I'd never been more nervous at that point in my life ever um, because there's – there's there's seventy thousand dollars in fines could be levied against my parents Mm. and the jury came back one day two not guilty and at that moment i turned to my mother who if you are mcw fan you know his mama excellent Mm the single greatest mother in professional wrestling history and one of my personal favorites uh she loves you (laughs) i'll I'll call her back we gotta take a picture i'll call her later and say yeah russell and um, I turned to her and I said, how about we turn this into a real thing? And uh, we started there. It was like, okay, how do we become a professional wrestling organization? Mm-hmm. Wow. That is quite the wow. origin story. I, I, I had heard that your origins were in the backyard, but I am enlightened to that whole tale of uh, being involved in litigation and having oh, yeah. fines. Do you think, and do you think like, <clears throat> do you think like the jury thought like this was ridiculous? I don't or know. I, I know. I don't read. know what the jury thought. And I really, you know, in, in did hindsight, your, did your attorney think it was insane and ridiculous? Absolutely. Yeah. I th- not only did our attorney think it was ridiculous. So again, you know, we're only allowed in. You know, if you're testifying, then everybody else stands right. out here, <clears throat> and such like that. So I'm out there with my best friend playing paper football, trying to ease the tension. <laughs> Trying not to think about, oh, hey, by the way, if we lose this thing, they're going to put a lien on your parents' house. Um, wow. Right? So I'm playing paper football, and here comes the state's attorney who is being forced to do this for the state. And she wanted no part of it. Really? She <laughs> wanted no part of it. And She's and got I, bit, bitter fish to fry, I'm sure. Right. right. You she, know? Just, she had just... She was there because that's, that's what she job. had yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. And she came over to us playing paper football. And all she said, she wasn't obviously, you know, we're on opposite. We're the Jets and the Sharks. We're not supposed to commingle. <laughs> right. right. And she just went, it'll be all right, and walked away. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. 
You know, I yeah, mean, almost like wow. she was saying, like, look, man, I, I, she did not want to be there. We just got to go through the motions here so that the how great, though, that your family was so supportive. I mean, 100, you know, that's that's above and beyond I, what you goose, know. goosebumps thinking about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, because that's my, amazing. my mother, I turned to my mother one time and she's like, do you want to go to college? I was like, nah, not feeling it. She goes, <laughs> what do you want to do? And I was like, kind of want to be a pro wrestler. And she's like, all right, let's do that. She's never, That's never awesome. hesitated, never, not once in anything. And I, I tell her this story, I say this story a lot, is that when I was 14, she told me, you know what, you play too much. Because I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm a jokey guy. I like to have fun. Uh, but never, like, you know, never think wrong. So I took that to heart. And I was like, you know what, 14, I got a job. At 21, I had a business loan. I was working 80-hour work weeks to make sure I got paid. I was 23 or 24 at the time and I'm with her at a store and she holds up these Superman underwear. She goes, wouldn't this be good at the wrestling shows? <laughs> How far we've come in a decade, mother. Wow. <laughs> right, right. Now it's, now it's okay. I don't play too much. Well, you're going to do it in front of people. Why not? Wow. Well, you know what? That's a reoccurring no. theme with a lot of our guests is the support from their yep. family to kind of, you know, guide them to the, the eventual career that they take. We want to talk a little bit more about family mm -hmm. and the, the extended families that you were able to, to grow for yourself outside of that original experience from the backyard. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about that after a brief pause. We'll be right back. Stay with us for more from the MCW cast. And we are back after that exciting story of how the Maryland State Athletic Commission tried to shut down a backyard promotion. They, they uh, tried. Half years. So you then, we got into it real quick. You were you started, so you're, you guys decided to go legit and you started your own. We started our own promotion. I say we. It was, uh, you know, obviously my mother and I. My mother's, you know, again, the most savvy person I've ever met. Uh, she was able to line us up to get a small business loan. And, uh, again, 10 days before my 21st birthday, signed up for a $50,000 business loan with the Small Business Administration, New Windsor State Bank, and started running shows in Pennsylvania that December. Uh, what was the name of your promotion? Uh, GBW, Groundbreaking Wrestling. And you ran that for a few years, right? <clears throat> we Yeah, we ran that for, oh, goodness, 13, 13 years. Wow. Yeah. And as, <coughs> that's kind of how you got your break into wrestling? Were you that's how I started. Were you kind of self-trained at the time? Self-trained. And then we, like, I was, again, trying to go the avenue of, okay, I want to learn how to do this professionally. I had friends in the business who were showing me stuff. And I ended up doing the bulk of my training with uh, Mighty Quinn Nash and MCW that's right. alumni. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. I forgot. And I uh, trained with him. That's um, right. Great guy. Taught me a lot. And then, yeah, I mean, nobody's good when they start this thing, man. So it was right. a lot of, you know, a lot of bumps in the road and learning as we go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We wanted to, we wanted to start in Maryland. We really did. We were not afforded that opportunity. So we Were said, you blocked? I guess you can't say, <laughs> like, you can't, you can't say if. I, if you feel like you want to edit this out, you can edit this out. This is no. totally your call. Yeah, it's. We made the call to the State Athletic Commission saying we wanted to do this thing the right way. And we were told by the gentleman who answered the phone, he did not feel comfortable speaking to us without legal counsel and would not take a meeting. For a promoter's hmm. license. And wow. that's as far as we got. Because, and then, because of the... Because of everything that had just happened. And then when I... So we started in, in PA. 
What uh, if there was some bitterness from the state yeah, losing? For losing. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I'd never seen someone leave a courtroom that fast. These are life. opinions, too. Yes, These yes, are opinions, of course, not, yeah. of course, not actual facts, not stating as facts. So These are our opinions. So when we started in we started in PA and then just trying to get my name out there and try and work other places, and the first time I wrestled in Maryland was for EWA, and so I had to get my Maryland wrestling license. Oh, they're going to get their they're going to get gonna their get dues. They're, they're going to get their fee, their yeah. monies, no yeah. doubt. Uh huh. Um, and unbeknownst to me, um, that gentleman came to the show and wanted to see that I knew what I was doing and made me run drills before the show. Wanted to see me take a, a clothesline drill and take a hip toss. Wow! Really, my hand to God. I asked, the pr- I asked the promoter, I said, is this customary? Because I've been <laughs> to a couple of these things. He goes, no. I said, okay. Wow. So take me yeah, aside, like t- took me as- on your back. Took me aside Gosh. to say, hey, you know, this isn't personal, right? Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> you know yeah. what's so funny to me is I'm hearing all of this and in other talks that we've had over the course of this podcast, whenever I would start a show and I'd say tonight's matches are sanctioned and supervised by the Maryland State Athletic Commission, there was always these boos that came from the crowd, <laughs> jeering them as if they were the biggest heels mm-hmm. ever. And when I started, I never got it. I was like, do they not like this guy, you know, the executive director, on hand, Lou Levy? Like, I didn't understand, but oh, it's wow. all becoming very clear. And that actually shows how savvy and smart the fan base is that they know mm-hmm. that the Maryland State Athletic Commission is just here to reach their hand in, take what they need, and they don't really care about the show. Well, so I got a. a I got a good relationship with them, I guess, after um, two decades. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a uh, – they definitely like to have control. Um, and I guess the biggest thing with me where I look back and was like, wow, like when we were running Fort Meade, mm-hmm. remember the, yeah. the athletic commission was contacting the Army base about – because I don't think they like the fact that because it's federal the – way that, the way that the law works – is that essentially, like, you know, you're on federal property on Army bases. It's kind of like little islands within a state. Right, you know, right. The state and they have, have no jurisdiction there. No jurisdiction. Yep. Which is how you got away with doing, like, you know, risque fire. stuff. Right. Some fire, hardcore stuff. Blood, right, yeah. fire. <clears throat> and they did not like it. Imagine um, that. And there was calls, and finally the, uh, the, the military attorney made a call to the state. <laughs> And stop those calls. (laughs) It's like, if you don't stop calling us. Yeah, if you don't stop calling us. Because they were even making offers, apparently, allegedly, Hmm. because I wasn't involved in those calls, but I had this relayed to me at the time. They were allegedly making offers to the Army base that, hey, just let us come on and sanction. Just let us sanction the show, meaning let us let us enforce the rules that are in place in the state of Maryland and we won't because at first it was the, the army base was like look we're not making any we're not making we're not making any exceptions because then we have to allow liquor tax etc etc right, right. et like basically it would set a precedent so which now, would supersede what they're already doing I mean, right right and so then it was like well we won't charge any tax we won't charge any of any tax or attempt to collect any sales tax, but just let us enforce the rules. Meaning, and that's when they they had at the time. That's when I got a call, and they were like, "What do they mean?" And I'm like, "You know all the barbed wire stuff that you guys like." 
They don't. They don't <laughs> right. And the bleeding, the yeah. guy's bleeding, like on the shows and the barbed wire. And mm-hmm. they're like, and the guy that was the attorney was like, yeah, I love that crap. I was like, yeah, they don't. Right. <laughs> so what right. that means is like none of that stuff will happen. Well, and also they and were the reason why like, you know, ECW couldn't come to Maryland. Right. You know, right. and back, you know, several years ago, like when I was in radio, people would ask all the time because we would, <coughs> we would have guys from ECW on the air and stuff. Hey, when are you going to come to Maryland? Never. We're so the, yeah, never coming I, to Maryland. I think when one of the, yeah. the, the, the uh, military attorneys finally made, basically made a call to someone in the state that said, stop. <laughs> stop making these calls to us. You know, and then it finally stopped. And Good. then yeah. they kind of just agreed to, you know, like they weren't happy. They still weren't happy because still doing shows in Maryland with the Maryland Athletic Commission, I had to always hear how not happy they were like and was even asked at one time and it off the right like asked do you guys have to post those pictures <laughs> of the blo-? like well yeah because well, we kind of want to sell tickets we're in a business that's right. what we're here yeah. for it's kind of <coughs> the yeah. appeal yeah, but it didn't of it, benefit you know. them and made them look kind of like you know i guess you know you know, dan got away with it the pesky old maryland state athletic commission Wow. So, what? What? Where in York was it? York, PA, that you? We were running in Hanover, Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay. Um, ran for a little bit in Gettysburg, um, but yeah, primarily in in Hanover. You know, just over the border, about about twenty minutes north of my house. Nice. Yeah, not bad. Easy drive. We'll take that. Yeah, that's not bad. And wrestling, You've certainly driven a, a lot thing. further. Twenty minutes. Oh, that's oh, nothing. Oh hell yeah! Right. <laughs> oh sure. Yeah, and then I guess so. You you started then just kind of branching out and doing indies, and then you ended up with with uh, a, a decent little break you ended up with czw mm-hmm. yeah how many so years were in where you were CZW? i wrestled for czw for 10 years and uh, how many how many how long were you in technically in the business like wrestling on shows at before that you point got opportunity before uh four years four years that's yeah that's pretty good to get what to get to, to get with one at the you know one of the more high profile independents i well and i I'll, i openly tell people all the time you know I'm, I'm just a matter of being lucky at the right time so the uh, the the talent pool at that time when i got in the door wasn't exactly uh, fruitful um mm-hmm. and i met john zandig at Derek Frazier's wedding and I'd, I'd seen I'd met well I'd met him other times and he again John Zandig is you know he can be an intimidating cat right so uh, I never thought he liked me I was a comedy guy comedy doesn't really draw a lot of attention from a deathmatch legend <laughs> like John Zandig so uh, I remember going to Frazier's wedding and my entrance music at the time was I Will Survive by uh, Gloria Gaynor wow and uh, it's to pop the boys, they played it because they wanted to see me do the chubby strut. And I did it and, you know, did my thing. And then I remember being outside taking a phone call and Zandig walked out and he was double fisting beers. And he said, you're all right by me, funny guy. Give me a call this week. And we got walked back in. It's like, all right. So uh, that, I, that next month I, I came and debuted and. That was that. So you basically got o- you, you got over at a wedding. Yep. You got not even at a wrestling. <laughs> always working, brother. Uh, you always got to be working. Have your well, gear in the car, true, man. That's true. That's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I can relate. I think that you really wanted to give me the uh, ring announcer gig the first time you heard me sing the "Give Me a Break" theme song. I did, One yeah. of the uh, times we were on a road trip, and 
I think Nell Carter had passed away, and I just went into that song in the back of the car, and it, you were doubled over laughing that oh, I knew yeah. all the well, words. I was like, yeah, I was like, this guy's got chords. And yeah, he's, yeah, and the pipes. You were like, he's got pipes. And yeah, he's, he's got pipes, and he's charismatic. And yeah, so for those of you th- out there that are enjoying the cast and thinking about that big break. Be brave. Don't yeah. be afraid to sing out or dance. Well, or, I mean, you know? yeah. just and be and who you are. Yeah, magnify. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the like a, a wedding's a perfect time. I get. Sure. I cut a rug anytime. I'm oh, yeah. yeah. a rug at your first wedding. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. But yeah, that's how uh, I. <laughs> that's I how hope you had a good time. <laughs> how that end? All right. Quickly. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Quickly. No, but that's four months. That's how I. That's how I got my. My foot in the door at CZW and just kind of tried to stay as long as I could. I'll tell you this much from someone also that came into CZW. I, I guess hearing the story, probably around the same time as you, I got hired full time. I come a couple times with Blackout mm-hmm. just as the personal announcer. But I just remember um, one of the things that I always used to think about you was that for a bigger guy, you took like some of the best bumps, like real like snap bumps off of like a boot or a line. Um, and in particular, I think there's a very famous clip of you taking a choke slam off the apron onto a bridging ladder. I feel like Brody Lee. I was Brody Lee. Uh, gave that to soul. you. Yeah. Absolutely. And you uh, just took a bump that a man your size should not. That wasn't how it was supposed to go. Um, and I called that spot. I done it before where the ladder kind of wraps around you and you look, you know, look like a lot more painful than it actually is and i hit too low on my lumbar and just went that way just went ass over tea kettle if anyone you know doesn't know the the concrete and uh it didn't hurt honestly to god did not hurt i've taken a lot a lot easier stuff that hurt a lot worse but i was just i guess because the adrenaline was running at the moment you went right back to working so i mean yeah, that was a, but I always pride like in getting the wrestling because I was a bigger guy. You know, somebody will tell you like, uh, well, you know, what what can you take? And I was like, I want to take everything. I don't want to be limited because I'm a larger human being. I want I want you to work me like you're gonna work anybody else, and I'll get up for you and I'll get down for you. I'll do what I got to do, and I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna do all that stuff. I always took my I took pride in the fact that I, I want you to bump me around and make yourself look good. And my comeback will be that much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing that I always remembered remembered about that. It also remembered that a lot of the times you got involved in that wasn't the only hardcore, uh, you know, match that you were in during my early days in CZW. My first tournament of death, you fought another MCW Pro alum, former champion Shane Shamrock Memorial Cup winner Ryan McBride, and I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, I know Ryan is not used to this type of environment." <laughs> And up until that point, you know, I'd seen you kind of have the Texas Tornado stuff, but I was like, wow, this is the tournament of death, a death match, you know, heavy fight. And you guys went nuts out there. Well, I did not. Ex- we weren't supposed to be in tournament of death. We were supposed to just be in uh, a non-tournament action. Yeah, they always you know, have those. Oh, the mm-hmm. non-tournament action that the death match fans really enjoyed a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the week prior, I had wrestled. Brody Lee, the first time we ever, and I was, uh, when I wrestled Brody Lee, I, I was, wasn't medically cleared yet. I had my, I had an emergency appendectomy two weeks prior to that. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, I'm not missing this. I'm going to do it. 
And I just told Brody, hey, man, uh, just take care of me. I can't lift you up too much. And the first thing we did was a tope suicida. I was like, yeah, that's a smart move. <laughs> uh, so, the, so I bled, I bled buckets. It was a really enjoyable story. I loved working with that guy. Um, and then the next week, again, tournament of death. So Ryan and I actually traveled together. Uh, knowing we were going to work each other, non-tournament action. We had some funny little bits planned that we were going to try and get over. And we get there, and uh, Mike Burns, who was booking CZW or helping at the time, runs Smart Mark mm-hmm. Video, mm-hmm. comes to me and goes, uh, we need you guys to be in the tournament now. And I'm looking around like, oh, I wasn't asked. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be barbed wire boards. And I'm like, hold, hold oh. the phone. We got to talk about a few things. One is my envelope. <laughs> right? Okay. Be, uh, why? So, yeah, I ended up. And then Ryan was going. I can't remember. I think it was Ryan had something the next day where he was doing uh, the fitness test for the state police or something like something where he couldn't be cut up and bloody <laughs> and messed up. Like he needed to come out of this completely right. unscathed and me being just like we talked about, I want to be the guy that bumps around. Now I know I have to be the guy that bumps around. I got to take all this stuff Ooh. and I have to go over and wrestle a second match with Nick Gage and Danny Havoc. And I think Pinky Sanchez was in yeah, that match Pinky also. Too, yeah. Great. So two of the three deathmatch legends, uh, so I'm like, okay, um, sure. I guess we're gonna do that. And I got, I think I got rocked on something in the match against Ryan. And the only thing I asked when we went to the four way was, uh, hey, um, try not to hit me with something bluntly in the head. I know more than the last person comes in the ring, and I get blindsided by a jug bat in my cranium. Mm. And I'm like, well, this has gone south quickly. Yeah. So I was a little heated leaving the event, but then uh, John called me. John Zandig called me and apologized. He's like, oh, I'm sorry I put you in that position. I was like, is this Zandig? Is this somebody ribbing me? Yeah. Wow. I got to tell you, man, you never so know. What, what happened? Did did, got, did people bail out or something? I think it was uh, brain damage had to bail and somebody else had to bail. I'm not 100% sure that second person was. But rather than reconfigure things, because again, it's obviously, I think it's, eight guys dwindled down or something yeah. like that. It ended up being, uh, we got thrown into it and then it turned into two four ways and then the singles, right, right, a yeah. singles final, I think it was. I it, just, it was as a, a wild promoter, run. I always, <clears throat> that's why I ended up always doing a lot of the hardcore stuff with MCW, whether it was like barbed wire, thumbtacks, tables mm-hmm. on fire. Um, <clears throat> I just, I always had a, I was always self-conscious as a promoter about asking I definitely couldn't have been a promoter of CZW and to each his own. I guess the different people. I, I couldn't have done what Zandig did. Um, but I, th- I think, and, and, but here's I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been able to ask people to do. But here's all the thing, and I think if you would have been in the same position, people would have done it for you. RJ would have done it for you. He would. You know what I mean? There's plenty of people that would have done it for you because kind of the same thing when I was booking shows. People look. There's there's followers. There's leaders. And there's bosses. Right. And Dan, you're a leader. So they're going to look at you and go, well, I know Dan will do it. So if Dan will do it, I'll do it. Right. And it's kind of the same thing. I mean, Zandig has turned, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest at this point in his life. But I knew John would throw himself off of I-95. All right, I'll go out there and I'll do it. for, And he'll do it for the company. He's not doing it for his own pocket. Right. right. All right, yeah. so I'll go do that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not saying anything against John Zandig or anybody that promoter that does no. that. I just 
I just, you know, it's, I just, I, me personally. And yeah. you don't have to put extra money in your envelope. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> right, right. It's just th- those death matches, man, because they, God, I mean, people have gotten hurt and they could, you know, things things can take a wrong turn. Well, I, I saw you guys talking about Dark Side of the Ring and talking about Nikki and Nikki almost dying. I was there. Yeah. I was right there. <coughs> did, yeah. he, did he get, um, was was he the one that almost died? At it? Was it at a tournament? At, at a tournament. Did they have to have? They medevaced him out. Medevaced. I yep. remember hearing that story. What happened? He uh, hit the light. It was the finals against Thumbtack Jack. It was wrapped in uh, 200 light tubes, Holy and he was taking an exit, and he was going to go through the light tubes through the exit, and he was wearing a, a Jordan. Jordan jersey. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan jersey. jersey. Yep. Yeah, you already know what happened. And caught him right there, mm-hmm. right on the armpit. The arm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was. Yeah. I, I remember sitting after after he got flown off. Uh, I just remember sitting in my car going, "I think I just watched a guy die." Yeah, he was they, white as a sheet. By the time they got they were, him, they were pushing him up there, and I was—you guys he was, thought he was—I was right die. there. I, he I had lost I, so much blood. I thought I—I thought I just watched a guy die. Yeah, at a, at a backyard wrestling show where I started my career in the backyard of something, and these guys are—I mean, this is you know deathmatch palooza. Was that it? Was that at that point? Was that in DJ's family's yep. backyard? Yeah. The, so is that what happened in the state of Delaware? I think that was. That was certainly a pivotal part because then you had thereafter. That was 2009. I believe that was 2009. It had to be. So, for background for anybody listening, Delaware, and we used to run Delaware in the 90s. I remember, yeah, Harrington. In the 90s, Harrington, Delaware, and um, the Briscoe School. What's the Briscoe School? Oh, yeah. Laurel, Uh, Delaware. Laurel, Laurel, Delaware, too, yeah. So, and Delaware used to be such an easy state. To run a show in, like it was like a fifty dollar permit or something, like you get it, like that's it. So, coming from Maryland, for you know, again, for to people understand, Maryland's really expensive to run professional wrestling events, and you have to have insurance, bonds, and sales tax, and you know, wrestlers' licenses, and the commission has to be there, and you have to have a doctor, and it can be a couple thousand dollars just in athletic commission. So right up you know where we are in baltimore it's you know we can be in delaware in 30 minutes in some right. areas of delaware so as promoters we back then in the 90s were like found some places in delaware to run that we could go and you god it's like you pay a 50 dollar permit not to mention it's um uh you know more like suburban or what you know in in delaware like country yeah a little bit so um, tax free so tax free and so buildings were a lot cheaper Uh so it was like wow we can run 30 or 45 minutes up the road find a high school the cost of building rent is like half um there's no commission costs Mm -hmm. and it's like a 50 dollar permit i mean they had a delaware athletic commission but they didn't really bother with pro wrestling like eh we sanctioned and, that, and a lot of states are like that. Like, mm-hmm. we sanction boxing or now MMA in boxing. But pro wrestling, yeah, you just pay this permit. It gets lumped yeah. in. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it was great. And then we didn't run there for years, probably 10 years. And then we go to go back. And, and they, they even unapologetically basically said it was because of DJ and the stuff he was doing. Like, you know, season. But now it's. Now it's you know it's it's expensive now well, you got to run an ambulance yeah. you got to have an ambulance right. you got to have an EMT you have to you know do all this other stuff and it ends up costing you know what I mean it's not 
it's not as economically efficient. And they don't make Delaware. it easy. I remember right. one show we ran up there. You guys had asked me to go track down an ambulance. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this shouldn't be too hard. I'm like at work and I wasn't busy. So I'm like, all right, I'll call and get an ambulance. And then I'm calling another place to get an ambulance and then another place. And then to the point where I'm calling Maryland now to get an ambulance to drive to Delaware. And I was like, what is this? Like, yeah. this is so ass backwards. Like, yeah. why? <laughs> so it changed. It yeah. Just, it just changed where it used to be like, man, this is great. But, uh, nah, you know, now it's. Well, now Delaware's like got a CYA, you know, they're going to cover their own. Because yeah, I understand. You understand, I, you understand the happens, business as right. to why it happened. Why? Someone probably when I'm assuming that something like that where a guy almost dies, someone in the state, you know, some suit or something in the state, understandably so, was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like right. if this guy died, you know what I mean? Because it could have been a lawsuit. So, yeah, the they could have sued the state and said, how come you weren't sanctioning this? Right. right. It you falls under I mean? your jurisdiction, it falls under your jurisdiction. Technically, so you weren't sanctioning it, so our son died. Right. Yada, yeah. yada. So I understand understand the political aspect right. of why it changed. It just sucked that it did as a promoter that used to love to run Delaware for those reasons. Now, all of a sudden, all this has changed. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. as, as big a headache now. Yeah, 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 just as big as a headache. From You know, what, what we do is we, just, we, we run more traditional pro wrestling shows. I mean, you might get a hardcore match, but we try to – we try to run stuff that the family could enjoy, a more traditional pro wrestling. Well, it's interesting uh, that you bring that up. Dan, Tara, what were you going to say? I was going to say we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, you arriving in MCW and bringing Mama Excellent along with you um, and talk a little bit more about that. The and legend. S- yeah. Mama she's, she's awesome. She's uh, she's great. All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about that and a lot of other stuff. So stay with us. All right. Uh, we were just talking about some of the interesting rules by the Athletic Commission uh, in Delaware and Maryland. And one of the rules, for those of you who might not know, is intergender wrestling is a big no-no, at least in this particular state. Um, and I wanted to talk about a very uh, famous intergender match that you had. Yeah, so... Uh Oh, goodness. I guess it was 2009. Sounds about right. Uh, wrestled now uh, Mia Yim, WWE superstar. Uh, we were uh, put together in November to wrestle just a simple one-off. You know, he uh, she was uh, Adam Cole's valet at the time, mm-hmm. and I was just some guy kind of doing my thing, and it would, was kismet. It's what was supposed to happen. I was actually supposed to work uh, Akira Tozawa, and... Uh, Rumor has it, he didn't. DJ didn't want to pay him because he was on the night show. So uh, <laughs> I got Mia Yim, and we knew we were a throwaway. We were the second match on the card, and I said to her, and she was someone kind of like that wanted to get bigger in wrestling, and I was mm-hmm. knew this was nothing from you know whatever. I was like, all right, let's just go out there and beat the hell out of each other and see what happens, and uh, we did just that, and. I got huge buzz. It was uh, Evolve Weekend, I think it was. Yeah. Because uh, Evolve ran, or Dragon Gate USA. Dragon Gate, Dragon Gate USA, USA yeah. ran. Which was just like right, Evolve. Right, right. Dragon Gate USA ran the daytime, and mm-hmm. we were at CCW was at night, so we knew we had a lot to live up to. I think one of the matches on that card, the day show, was like Pac and Brody Lee, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to follow that. So what can we do that makes us stand out? And so uh, I always treated in that moment, like, I'm wrestling a girl, sure, but 
I'm going to work her like she's a guy and I want her to work me like however she wants to work me. You know, gender goes out the window. Let's mm-hmm. just hit each other and see what happens. And uh, it snowballed into two more matches, uh, one of which was a TLC match that following March, which uh, which probably the match I'll when, when I'm all done, when I've hung up the spandex and Superman underwear will be the match I'm more than likely remembered for. Yeah, I think uh, in particular, um, Mia Yim, I remember her debuting in CZW and in very typical fashion at the time she came out, interrupted me as the announcer and then essentially just started doing like a strip tease. Like she started taking down her, Who, Mia, her Yim? Mia Yim. This is her first night out. Start taking out her hoodie like, should I do it, guys? Should I show you my body? And we're talking Philly ECW arena. Yeah, Yeah, we love it, you know? (laughs) But I think that that was the pivotal turning point for her where it was like, this girl can go. Right. Uh, We we spent four and a half months working this little, little tiny program together with the sole purpose of she wants to be a wrestler. She doesn't want to be somebody's eye candy. She doesn't want to be a manager. She wants to be a wrestler. And in order for her to do that, she has to show that she can she can hang. And that was the whole purpose of the business together. And uh, she's like my sister. I, I love her to death. You know, when you go to war with somebody, I mean, Dan knows this. When you go to war with somebody in a wrestling ring, you you create this bond. And mm-hmm. I'm so happy for. Yeah, her. you guys made magic. I remember those being, uh, in particular, the November first kind of sleeper. That you had that second match, and then it's uh, definitely the TLC. It was uh, very emotional. Oh yeah! At the end of the match, I, I was. Remember. That's the the only time in a wrestling ring where <coughs> I've been knocked unconscious was in that match. Uh, I hit the back of my head on concrete, and I don't remember the last eight minutes. Wow! You definitely got concussed. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was that, I was out. I was gone. Didn't you take a German where the ladder was kind of? You did the three Stooges deal where the ladder. Was no, I took she put the, she put the ladder on me and did like a bulldog and the, the ladder caught me here, but no, it was we did the uh, uh, the Shawn Michaels Mick Foley go to back suplex where she turns into a crossbody oh, yeah. and I caught I caught the table oh, the yeah. back of my head hit the concrete and lights went out, uh, so there was this like pause but we knew we had to get to the finish, and I don't know I guess uh, autopilot you mean you know what yeah. I mean when you you're in that situation it's just the instinct kicks in. And I remember watching it back. Uh, I got in the ring, and I the, the vividly I remember she was supposed to hit me three times with a chair for me to fall on the table to set up the finish, and she hit me like soft as could be. Like again, she's like at this point my sister. We've been to war a couple times. She taps me, and I smacked the ever loving piss as hard as I could her in the face, and I said, "Hit me," and she clocked me twice. Bang, bang. Mm. I fall down on the table, and she climbs up, and I remember. In hindsight, having seen it, I, I climb up the ladder and she's crying at the top because she's she's emotional over the moment. But yeah. we had to get to the finish for the sunset bombed through. It was a very emotional. And I remember waking up in the back, going, "All right, well, how how was it?" Wow. Yeah, but watching it back, it's one of those. It's one of the, again goosebumps. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's just one of those moments, and kind of paved the way for some of the intergender contests that I mean we've seen where. I mean, I hate to say, like, not that women weren't taken seriously, but nowadays... They weren't. <laughs> I mean... You're, you're right, but I mean, now for, we have... For a, there was a large swath of time where yeah. they weren't. Yeah, you but, know, they but weren't. now we have things popping up like Tony Deppin and Trisha Dora for the Pan-African Diaspora Championship doing an iron, iron person match. And 
I would say that'll the, be hot business too. Yeah, well, the, the, hot business. Yeah, yeah, and well, you paved the way in a lot of regards. Um, I would say for sort of just like not just deathmatch fights with women in them, um, but even that in in addition, where men are fighting women depending on the state that you're in. Um, and that even happened a little bit further in your career with uh, a good friend of yours, Chrissy Rivera. You I did wrestled, another. I wrestled Chrissy Rivera, and again, it was a situation where Chrissy wasn't being utilized. I was like, well, her and I could have fun. We could do something. So we did a, a intergender food fight, and uh, <laughs> that, that got a little bit of buzz and something. I've wrestled Kimberly. I've wrestled some really talented females. And again, I, I've always been a person like, look, if you can work, you can work. I don't care if, you know, man, woman, child, whatever. You, If you can work, let, let's go do business. We'll, yeah. You know, we'll find a way to make it entertaining. Because again, I was never given God's gift of athleticism, but I was given like the uh, the mind of, I'm going to look at a run sheet and go, well, I can't do what he does. I can't do what he does. I can't do what she does. So I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to find a way to make it appealing. That's the thing I love about MCW is that, and we've had this conversation. I feel like MCW is the buffet table of pro wrestling because you're going to come here and you're going to get a, a, a banger of an athletic contest, you know, Leo Russian and Action Andretti, and you're going to get great tag team wrestling. Then you're going to get a women's match. Then you know what? The main event may be three stages of hell, but somewhere in there, Greg Excellent's going to do something weird in, in, in the middle, probably like the three <clears> spot. You know what I mean? You get oh, every wrestling fan's gonna get a little something. Yeah, that's what I. That's the pro wrestling I love. Get some meat with Leo Rush and Action Andretti. Get a salad with the tag team <laughs> bout. You know, we've had our moments together. Yeah, yep, absolutely. We've always had fun. And we have fun. And again, you know, I, I, I learned at a point in my career. I was like, you know what? I, I can't do some things. I remember being on a card one time with like Claudio and Jay Briscoe are working each other, and like, could you like? There's two just insanely great people and i'm like all right what am i gonna do i don't know what I'll do i'll take off my my clothes and i'll have flash underwear on and i'll make adam cole move really slow so that he thinks i'm the flash and i'm moving very fast I'm <laughs> speed and i remember claudio after the match going that was genius and i was like well i couldn't follow what you guys did i right. had to do something different right. that's what i love that's that brand of pro wrestling mm-hmm. that i love is like we're all going to do something different we're all going to get over in our own way, but we're not going to outshine the next guy. We're going to all get over. We're going to push the rock up the hill together. And then at the end of the day, the fans are like, we are not missing the next one right. because well, they might do something like happen. that again. What's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. I've always called, I've always used the um, comparison beef stew because that was given to me a long time ago. That was Larry's nickname for a long time. <laughs> well, like with beef stew, and I, I always, because you know, especially Juicy when you beef. get younger guys in the business, everybody wants to be the Roman Reigns or the Triple H. Mm-hmm. And by that, meaning like the tough top guy that's the champion, you know what I mean, that, that, that is serious and is the, is the guy, you know, is the guy carrying the company, the John Cena, the Roman Reigns, the, <clears throat> you know, in our, our term, the bruiser. <clears throat> yeah. Who was the bruiser. But the reality is, is that there's, there's more than beef in the beef stew. There's onions and carrots and celery. Right. And potatoes. But they all make the beef stew. Yep. And that's my always been my comparison of like having some comedy, having some women's wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, having some light heavyweights, you know, fast action matches, some hardcore stuff. And then the main event and it's the, the champions that yeah. are serious. You know what I mean? And and that's beef stew. Like not everybody can be the beef in the beef stew, but it all makes the beef stew. It all makes it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even to the you know, and I, I crack it right down to when you got guys starting out and you got guys that are just doing run-ins or they're, they're a security guard for somebody. Well, you know, like, you know, that security guard 
like your diesel to Shawn Michaels is a is a is a is a layer to the show and it's important part. You know what I mean? And just because you're just doing a bodyguard, just doing a spot on the show, that spot on the show is important to get the reaction to maybe set up the next match or to set up the next mm-hmm. tag match. So like. It's all important. Yeah. It's all it's important. all a movie. We're all, all, we're yeah, all putting all something a, yeah. together. We all got to play our parts to make mm-hmm. sure that the movie comes off. Yeah, it's great. Like um, I'm thinking about just kind of like MCW, the arc of our history together. I'll never forget when I came to see a show and the first guys out were uh, that that bowling act that you had, <laughs> <laughs> you did, and like the it was like and bowl the Express. Rock and Bowl Express, and the kids. We're loving it. And I was like, look at these. Look at I all. loved it. So but it, I, I came <laughs> to a birthday party. That And we and so we knew we, that you were coming to this. So we had been doing, they had been doing Rock and Bowl Express for a few months now at the birthday parties. And it was so over, right? And so when you had said you were coming, I was like, great, you're finally going to see the Rock and Bowl Express. And I was behind the sound thing and you were across from me. And I, my eyes did not leave your face the whole time. I wasn't watching what they were doing in the ring. I was watching <laughs> you react in real time to Nick the are coming out and rubbing and what his did I say? belly. Get these guys on a show. You did. You I said, said let's book the, the Rock and Roll Express for yeah. the Legend Show yeah, yeah. to fight the like, Rock and Bowl and Express. I was watching the wheels turn yeah. and watching his face, like he's popping for. The, it was the best. It was the best. Beef stew, man. Beef stew. <laughs> because if you pop, if you can stew. pop the boys. That's, yeah, that's the biggest thing. You pop yeah. the boys, you pop the boss, you pop those guys, you know they're going to eat it up with yep. a ladle. Yeah. They're going to eat it up, man. And that's, again, I just, I get so <laughs> passionate and I get I get worked up about pro wrestling that way. Well, talking about beef stew and talking about, like, the work that you've done with all of the different women that you fought, also I remember in CZW, one of the hottest things that happened during my time being the announcer and your time as a playable character was when Mama Excellent became a playable character in CZW. And that, in addition, is something you would never think that you were going to see. But lo and behold, there we have a mother and son tag team combination doing great things. And correct me if I'm wrong, that came, we saw a little bit of that action right here in MCW mm-hmm. Pro as well. My, my mother cut her teeth in the combat zone in Philadelphia in the ECW arena. I want Just let that marinate for a quick second. Um, yeah, she uh, she came to MCW with a little bit of fanfare. That's you know, right. The legend, as I like to call her. Um, she worked the match with Colt Cabana. Uh, yeah, she she's made out with Colt Cabana. <laughs> she, has, <laughs> she, has, she has, the last time I saw Colt was here, and he did ask me, he goes, man, you look great. How's your mind? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that has a different feel to it than when Ken Whatever. Dixon says, how's your mom? Uh, it's right? a little bit different. <laughs> a little bit different. Uh, I mean, she's she's made out with uh, Maxwell Jacob uh, Friedman. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, she's had her moments and then obviously wrestling itself. I mean, she wrestled a match. You know, we, we tagged together at one cage of death against Drew Gulak and Kimberly. Yeah. Wow, and, and, and won, <laughs> and it was a great match. A it great, was, you know, that was match. excellently put together. My, and my uh, my mother had the uh, the old gulak on gulak, and uh, yeah. So I mean, we have those, those great. And again, I you know who knows? Again, I I will. I'm good with where I've gone in wrestling, what I've accomplished. I'm going to look back on the fact that I've created memories with my mother, who's been my biggest support system. Who said, "Yeah, why not? Let's be a pro wrestler. Cool." And, and without missing a beat, and I'll call her and she'll I'll go, hey, uh, I got this idea for a wrestling show. She goes, all right, when is it? 
<laughs> no, I didn't hear the idea. Okay, right. she's, she's, she's in. in. Yeah. She's in. What's the she payday like? When you What's were here, it, it, it was fantastic having her here. I mean, we tagged with her. She's right. great. She's a she's a character. She gets it. She she enjoys the the pageantry, the the storytelling, the, mm-hmm. the having the ability to hold a crowd in the palm of your hand. And talk she about someone that. getting themselves in phenomenal shape. I don't know if you've been looking at Mama Excellence's social media lately, but she's been doing a little work. Uh, she's been in the gym. Oh she's, yeah, she's been hitting it. She's been she's been working hard. Now has she adopted the keto lifestyle? She too? does a low carb lifestyle, okay. um, and then you know she 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 does her own thing. She's she's working mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, uh, and she you know she did say to me she goes so when's when's MCW opening back up? <laughs> she, <laughs> she's, she's she's excited. Yeah. She's Everybody is. Yeah, I think, I think she's ready for her run. I'm just it's saying. Close, but the goalpost got moved back. Goalpost got moved back. So, yeah. um, but she'll be, she'll be. You know yeah, what? She's like the, soon, the Dennis Stamp of of mothers from professional wrestling. She's always she, staying ready. Just tell me right now, she's on the trampoline. There's no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a five pound weight. She's got it outside of her apartment complex. She's always ready. She's got to yeah. be ready for it. You never know when you're going to get your next call. Right. Right. You never what, know. What, Terry? <laughs> I'm just having this image in my head of like a Richard Simmons video on the TV and Mama Excellent working out to Richard Simmons. I don't know. She's, I don't know where that came from. It's just came she's getting it. into my head. To the general manager, Phil Stamper, about that. Yeah, I think we might have to. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. She, him up. She's yeah. got a couple left in her. Yeah, so, you know what I mean. I so you don't know when the bump, you don't know when the bump card's full. Right. I don't think but hers is full her yet. Full her, yet. Hers ain't full yet. No, Greg, we've talked a lot about some of your really memorable matches outside of MCW. Speaking specifically at MCW, what have been your most memorable matches here? Um, that that moment with winning the MCW Rage title um, against Dante, who is. Probably one of the most underrated wrestlers in the in the game today. Agreed. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dante I mean, Caballero. Yeah, I can't pronounce his last name, so I don't say it. Caballero. 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 You got to roll, roll yeah. something. Yeah. Well, I, I just say, I, can I just think it. of habanero peppers, and then I just say habanero. Yeah. So I don't really know. Just don't know. so so drastically. I mean, why that guy isn't on television every week is beyond me. That's just you know. Well, he's been getting a little shine time on sure. ROH TV, but um, and, every week. Uh, and, you know, and, and MJF, who, I mean, I mean, he, that guy's got the wrestling world is in the palm of his hand. Yeah. You yeah. Know, he can do no wrong. They really like him. Oh, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And just, just the <laughs> dynamics of having my mother there and everybody, like with the story of, you know, this guy's got a girl, this guy's got a girl, and here's Greg, that blue-collar, chubby guy's got it. who's just a mama's boy. <laughs> and the story we told in that match and and just the, the pop of the, the, the build up to the pop and that moment, just that, that, that sound. You know well, you mean? know, that's a great way to connect and make an emotional attachment. I know for one, my mom used to always take me to wrestling events and it was always like she was, I was dragging her along. She wasn't really paying attention, but provided she saw a wrestler's mom out there, she probably would have been like, now wait a minute, I want to see a little bit of what you know, sure. mama's going to do, you know? So, I mean, again, she's got beats. merch. Yeah. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. she's ready to go. The first, I think the first indie show I ever went to, she took me to Michael's 8th Avenue. 2002, maybe? 2001, 2000? Not the first. Really? Yeah, <clears throat> one of, yeah, Michael's 8th Avenue. Maybe that wasn't the first one, but nonetheless. Right. I remember it vividly, but she took me. Yeah, because it was downtown, and I wasn't going to drive by myself. Right, uh, I was scared. I didn't have a license. <laughs> well, I mean, um, so she took me there, and you know the place is packed. And she was like, "Oh, so this is what you want to do?" I'm like, "Yep." And she's like, "All right, I'm cool with that." 
I don't know if it was That's Michael's. Awesome. It was probably one of our shows. Do you remember the card? Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Oh, it was it was the Shamrock Cup. Oh, I, wow. I, I, okay. I remember Amazing Red was in it. Also, yeah. the, I, the I, SATs. I that. Yeah. Was the SATs. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a good show. Mm-hmm. Any was show with the, the Amazing Red. One? Or ma- no, Red was in a couple. He was. He lost to Reckless Youth in the finals of one. I remember Reckless that was a, youth. yeah, Tom oh, Carter. Tom Carter. Mm-hmm. Was the truth, right? Really was. Yeah. Yeah, they were, um, he was, they were something else. The SATs in red yep, when I they remember. came out, man. They were special. They were something, they were something else that when those guys came out. They were good kids. I always liked them. Yeah, me too. Lots of fun. Yeah, we did some stuff with them. TQM did. Yeah, Ocean City. Rest of the shows. Yeah. Avenue too. I oh still can't gosh, believe yeah. that building. That you know that building was unfortunately the global gimmick. Um, put I it always out. felt like our shows were so fancy because the chandeliers were oh, hanging were. in there, and you saw all these other indie shows where they're like in warehouses, and here you know, we are, we've got chandeliers. It was a banquet hall. <laughs> there was something about that time too, and maybe it was like pre-social media, so, and you, there wasn't as much content as out of there. I still, as a promoter, can't believe we'd pack that place on Wednesday. Oh night. my gosh! Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Which I could never do now as a dad and someone that got kids. I I wouldn't even attempt it. But well, um, you know what? You had a street team. Yeah. Headed, headed up mm-hmm. by our last guest, well, we did. We would, Genesis. We would, we would yeah. flyer. We put the big posters up on mm-hmm. the sides of the road. We would go to. We got people to come out. It yeah. was on a Wednesday night. Like, Bowling alleys. Think about it, but um, yeah, they did. It was. Uh, I would never even attempt that now. Well, it's just, know, it's just the content wasn't as readily available. That's right. What he was, you, could, yeah. you couldn't just sit at home and and pop on the network or hop on right. YouTube and and see that stuff. If you wanted to see some wrestlers that you heard about because your friend told you this friend and this we friend. had some of our biggest shows ever there mm-hmm. like the road oh, yeah. Steve Wilco, 1700 people yeah. yeah on a wednesday night um yeah at michael's eighth avenue it was something else because we couldn't get the building because they made so much money on weddings and right um yep. bull roasts and banquets and it was really a banquet hall they mm-hmm. they were like what we you guys wouldn't be able to afford what we'd have to charge you to not have weddings on like a Thursday, even a Thursday. So yeah. our only options were like they're like you can do Tuesday, we could do Monday, Tuesday, or no, like I think Mondays they were closed was like the one day they yeah closed. that was the so one like, day they were closed. You usually. could do Tuesday or Wednesday, pick your days, and we were like, oh, we'll try Wednesday. Like unbelievable, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, during that time, that know, was early two thousand. We used 2000s. to pack the the green the flea market on Sunday nights too, though. You know, Same I mean, thing. like I'd be worried about doing a Sunday night. See, I love mm. I loved Sunday shows personally. I thought they were great. Yeah, like they felt like pay per views. I don't know. Yeah, they did because yeah. I guess you kind of just stayed up anyway. Yeah. And I don't know. I didn't mind them and. You know, the Wednesday night ones were kind of hard because you had to take off the Some, whole day of work. And then the next day at work sucked because you were up all night. Sometimes so. working those Sunday shows just from a working standpoint is, is tough because, I mean, again, promoters generally want to go, oh, well, we're going to still go on at, at 7 and run till 10, Well, like a 5 o'clock start time yeah, is I'm, great I'm, for I'm a Sunday. In. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think I remember, so, too. I remember, I guess it was EWA ran the ran the, uh, oh, the flea market and ran it up against uh, Ravens football game. Raven's playoff game. Oh. <laughs> and I was in a four-way tag, and there was nine people in the crowd. Oh, wow. There was almost more people in the ring. Is that the big? <laughs> is that the smallest crowd? You, I'll never forget. I'll, the, I know. Cause I remember it was like my third or fourth match, and it was at the Teamsters Hall. And it was like a <clears> – it was, it was at the Teamsters Hall in Dundalk, seven people. I remember I wrestled Ramblin' Rich because I remember I – was, <laughs> I was only six months – Maybe a, a year into the business, and I even then, you know, like when you're when you're that young in the business, you're just happy to be on any show. Yeah. 
But even that show, I remember walking out going, man, this is freaking embarrassing. You know what I mean? Like, I literally <laughs> counted seven. Like, they, it was like more people in the supermarket. It wasn't like, the yeah, it wasn't like MEWF. I think it was like a rant. A diff, you know, there's always people that pop up like, I want to be a promoter. It was right. like some quote unquote new promoter that rented, rent, that rented the Teamsters Hall over in Dundalk. And I, and I wrestled Ramblin' Rich, and it was seven people. I remember seven people. I was like, just dead silent. <laughs> oh yeah, it, there's nothing, silent. I think nothing feels more awkward like than when you come yeah. out through the entrance doing the babyface fire. The come on, yeah. and, it's, yeah. and it's it's three guys going, yup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I worked a show in Pennsylvania so. like that, and I walked out, and there I was managing um, uh, Keith, and um, I walked out, and there were like maybe eighteen people there, and four of them were my sister and kids. So, because they had come with me, and there were maybe eighteen people out there, and I was like, "Wow, okay." And like you said, you that's, go out, and you're like trying to get the crowd. That's double embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. They're like someone you know, and like you're like, oh, it's not always like this, right? Right. It's a lighthouse, lighthouse brother. Lighthouse. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lighthouse. Your family. It was one of those that's shows like where too. we were one of the few that had actual gear, and that there were people with like. You know those little stick-on foamy letters? Yeah, like they actually put that on their singlets, and they were like falling off as they were working. So yeah, it was Classy. one of those shows, Great which we've gracious. all done. I wrestled but. a Sunday show in New Jersey one time, and it was about eight, nine people, and the promoter hits you with, uh, "Well, it's a lighthouse, brother." It was at a roller skating rink, and meanwhile, he's booked like, and again, it was in a bad part of New Jersey, to where like we changed in the car, and we it was me and JT Roberts, and we rode together, and we knew. When we're done, roll out of the ring, go right to the car, we're leaving. We ain't staying here any longer than we have to. Wow. And guys weren't getting paid. So uh, I remember vividly Nick Gage told me, he goes, if I'm not getting paid, I'm taking a couple sets of roller skating blade, or roller skating skates, loading his back up the roller skates. That was That's Nicky for you. <laughs> you know, you, um, real quick, um, uh, you just mentioned a name, JT Roberts. Um, and I know that um, in addition to him, Core, Simon Rhyme, couple of the names that you introduced to different I guess you'd say territories groups uh, throughout the years taking my running back my memory is it true that Shane Strickland now Isaiah Swerve Scott first kind of started with you yeah. in, in the in the in GW yeah we had a um, we had a little school in Hanover um, where we had a little pony ring and would train and stuff like that and Shane a young young thin Shane Strickland. Oh, yeah, I remember. Started, yeah, so that's where he started. Russ. That's where he, he, kind of he started there, and then kind of maneuvered his way around. He he was a guy that he was going to go where he could learn something. So he started there, then he went here, then here, then here. Uh, man, he's just on fire. Tell right me now. about it. We got him here in MCW right for a while. Yeah. I remember he was uh, uh you know had some of the best matches yeah. and really lit that crowd up on fire. Yeah, and it was great. Really went on to do um, really great things. And then one more thing, I don't want to go back on memory lane too much with. You, but I, I have a lot of great memories. Do you remember the time that we did a show in a skating rink? You fought Larry Sweeney. I do remember and that. It was for Adam Flash S- and yep. Ray Alexander in York. Sweet and sour Larry Sweeney, rest in peace. And yeah, it was shortly before he left us, I remember, uh, when that you and he yeah, had that, he had, that showdown. He had, he had um, come back, and, yeah, it was just a, a, a one-off. We had never worked each other. Similar personalities and, and character huge yeah so uh yeah a lot of fun just uh, a very easygoing guy um just what what he I mean he could have made a ton of money yeah he really he could really have made a ton of money yeah you know wow. gone way too soon we lost i mean jt roberts mm-hmm. gone way too soon how we, did sweeney how did he pass away 
uh, believe it was an overdose. Was it? Overdose? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He had some. He had some mental health issues, and um, that's why you know, especially after this this last you know what addiction, man. I mm-hmm. tell you, we, yeah. uh, yep. We've all kind of had it uh, affect our lives. Um, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Main event of that show where uh, you fought Larry Sweeney was um, Axel was in the main event of that. Uh, Axel Speaking of addiction. Well, like, I mean, that's know, what right. made me think of it, actually, um, to be quite honest. I remember also that that show, um, I got an envelope, and when we got halfway down the road, I opened the envelope, and there was no money in it. Oh, wow. Um, but we didn't get too far before I had whoever was driving turn back around, and I was promptly paid $51 bills uh, because they, the promoter's wife was like oh we, we just wanted to play a little joke on you we didn't yeah. we thought you were going to open it right here and you know we'd right. be able to take we didn't know you had even left and i'm like yeah i left and i didn't get too far down the road before i popped we had stopped yeah. at a gas station yeah, I funny haha right? right that's funny haha yeah, that's don't mess funny. with my money I, i'm I, I, i'll be a funny guy on camera but don't mess with my envelope what are we doing yeah and you know oh, wow. um he, he, axel comes up a lot obviously on the podcast because he's he's got a lot of you know um you can't swing a dead cat without having an axle rotten story. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he's talking about addiction, and obviously, I mean, people know his story pretty much what took him, but uh, my God, what a waste of talent. Like, for all the for all the bad stuff, or if I make comments on here for the, the issues that I went through him on a personal level because of his struggle with addiction and my, my desire to help him um, because I loved him and he was a great friend and a guy that broke me in, but... Just in general, he had so much to offer. Um, he had a great mind, great mind for the, the greatest, uh, the best, the best um, comment I've ever heard about Axel Rotten was from Raven on a shoot interview, and he said the biggest Axel Rotten is the biggest waste of talent in the history of the wrestling business, and it was so true. Um, man, what I would do to still have him here, but have. The, the Axel Rotten that broke me in in the early 1990s, pre all the drugs and before he went down that route and went down that route of addiction that he just could never beat. That guy was so unbelievably talented. And he was a really good person before before addiction just consumed him and took him over. Mm-hmm. He was a good guy and uh, just unbelievably talented. Yeah, well, you know, they say no one ever really dies, um, and we we do need to go ahead and take one more break. But that was one of the mention one of the reasons I mentioned last episode how <coughs> IWA Mid South lost the Axel Rotten Memorial Hall, and I know it was just a a Kmart. I know that it was you know an abandoned Kmart, but you know it said something that Ian, even though he flew the coop from Baltimore never to return, thought enough of Axel's legacy to call that that space that they wrestled in the Axel Rot Memorial Hall and unfortunately they lost that building and hopefully IWA Mid-South names their next building after Axel but time will tell we do need to take one more break uh, but we're going to come back here and finish chatting with you Greg I, I don't want to uh, monopolize too much of the conversation but like I say this is always a trip down memory lane so mm-hmm. stay with us fans we'll be right back And we are back here with our guest, Greg Excellent, former MCW Rage champion. Uh, at this point in our MCW cast, we like to go to some of the questions that our coffee club members, again, this is one of the perks of being a coffee club member. You get to know who the guest is going to be before we debut the show live. And you get to develop some questions and maybe get them pushed to the top of the list for anyone who does hashtag AskMCW. So with that said, 
Tara, do we have any questions from the coffee club members for Greg Excellent? We do. Um, one of our questions uh, is, what was your hardest adjustment going from Big Greg to Little Greg? And I know you kind of touched on that at the beginning um, of the of the show about your wrestling style, but, you know, is there anything else that was an adjustment and what was it? Psychology. Mm-hmm. What makes the most sense in a wrestling match? Mm-hmm. Because, again, I, I've touched on it a couple of times. I'm an average wrestler at best, but I, I, I fill in with... I think I'm kind of smart in what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. So just having it being the most realistic it can be, like you guys, I think, you know, I've heard you guys talk about, you know, laying it in and stuff like that. And you want people to to have that level of believability. So, I mean, again, when I'm wrestling somebody who's 260 pounds and I'm going to whip them, shouldn't they reverse me? I mean, like, you know, there should be some kind of give and take to the logistics of it. Just learning that aspect of it. I've never been the size I am. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I'm still kind of learning about my right. body, um, you know, physically uh, in, in a wrestling ring. Now, are you thinking of any wardrobe changes or anything like that? Like, I know I, your your tights have, like, the knife and fork on it. Uh, like, no, I, I don't know. I did, I, did uh, I, I have been, you know, playing around with some ideas as to what makes – you know, the most sense, you know, being the king of keto and sitting on your throne of bacon and butter, sitting on my throne of bacon and butter. No <laughs> doubt. I don't know if that translates well to something that would be put on tights, yeah, right? but exactly. you know, put like um, a but slab yeah, of I, butter. I think, uh, you know, just, just doing something, you know, staying in trunks, you know, continuing to work on my body. I, I mm-hmm. did. I said in something recently, they asked what my goals were. What do I want to accomplish by the time I'm 40? I said, I want to be in a fitness magazine. Why not? So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, if I keep working at it, so I mean, I got to hold myself accountable, keep putting on the wrestling mm-hmm. tidy whities and going out there and hopefully not being embarrassed. Okay. All right, great. Thank you for that question, Kevin. Um, I have another question. And if you could work anyone anywhere, who would it be? Oh, man. Like your dream opponent. My dream opponent. Wow. It's a good one. That is, that's, a, that's tough, right? Uh, I mean, I grew up at Dusty Roads, Mark. I mean, that would be fantastic. I'm going to go sentimental, though. Um, if I can work anybody, anytime, anywhere, is I want to work JT Roberts one more time. Uh, okay. He's one of my best friends. We lost him almost a decade ago. Um, and just what we did, you know, traveling that, you know, traveling up and down the East Coast, working with each other. You, you, you know, you make family. I was... <clears throat> I didn't have any brothers or sisters. I'm an only child. So the family I've made from from a very small family, it's just my mother and I now at this point. Um, so, you know, the family you make in wrestling, I, I hold those so very near and dear to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it hurts when we lose one. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. To, to, to have him back yeah. for one more, just <clears throat> just to, to have those moments in the ring, I, mm-hmm. I, that'd be mine. Oh, thank you. Well, um yeah, uh, just over the years, we've all lost so many uh, brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we've shouted them all out on the cast. Heck, the reason the cast is even around is, uh, you know, a lot, a largely part to RJ and mm-hmm. the loss that we all experienced in doing that, um, you know, tribute to him um, and just feeling like we wanted more. We wanted more that RJ would want us to have more. I got a quick question real quick, um, if I can interject in the mm-hmm. Coffee Club members. I remember one of the biggest reactions I ever experienced in the 2300 arena, the old Viking Hall ECW arena, was there was a cage of death where you fought DJ Hyde. And this was the culmination of a year-long feud. And um, the crescendo of the match was John Zandig, who had 
seemingly disappeared from CZW after selling it to DJ Hyde, uh, doing a run-in, um, decapitating DJ with a roaring lariat, a, a discus lariat, and then you winning. Now, I want to take you back. I remember at ringside, towards the end of that match, at one point, Zandig's music hit, and everyone like looked to the, the entranceway, myself included, and then all of a sudden it went off. And then it went back to like you and DJ wrestling for a little bit. And then after you guys had done whatever, the music hit again. And then we all kind of looked again at the entranceway. And then Zandig uh, ran out. What were you thinking in the match when that happened? Because So, so inside baseball is I, I pitched that. I wanted that moment. Again, I wanted that moment to be like, it's going to happen. But the heel took it away. Ha ha, it's not real. It's not happening. Like the heel sets it up. Like, oh, you wanted Zandig, you're not getting him. And then when you hit it that second time, the expectation level's lower and the payoff is bigger. So that's that's what I wanted yeah. there. And therein lies and that there, huge reaction. There was the reaction. So now the people don't expect it when the second time it hits because you've already taken it from me the first time. So now when we get it, it's that oh, holy crap moment. Here's here's Zandog coming in here to discus Larry at somebody. Yeah. People were so at a fevered pitch. I remember when Zandig finally got in the ring, they were like throwing things. Not because they like NWO, boo, you guys, but it was just so much excitement. Um, and I always wanted to ask about that because I felt it as well, you know, being ringside for that moment. I'm like, oh, he didn't come. You know, again, inside baseball, we were wondering if he was going to come. And then he came out and it was uh, just a wild, wild moment. Uh, for me, and like I said, one of the biggest reactions I ever experienced in there. The place I was, was literally shaking. I was lucky enough to to, to have a, a creative hand in how we put that all together. The year prior, uh, Tiger driving my mother out of a, a fit of, not rage, but out of desperation to secure my spot in a company. And then just telling that whole character backstory leading to that, that moment, getting back at DJ for what he had mentally put me through. Storytelling 101 yep. by Greg Excellent. I'm not, I'm not good at a lot of things. I can't, but hey, I can do that. Well, you, you definitely have entertained me and so many other fans mm-hmm. across the country. Um, speaking of fans across the country, we like to kind of do a, a little bit of an indie roundup. We used to go to our form, our general manager, uh, Phil Stamper, for that. But now we kind of just do it around the horn style. Uh, so real quick, if you would like to participate with us, we're Absolutely. just going to toss out some random uh, things that are going on. I think first things first. A lot of companies have been putting out their summer touring schedule. ICW, No Holds Barred, one that I'm a part of. GCW, where we can see uh, the likes of Nick Gage and bad boy Joey Janela. And it's seeming like that a lot of these companies are putting their schedule out with a disclaimer that fans are going to be welcomed back into Mm -hmm. enclosed environments. Mm -hmm. How do we feel about that? Uh, I mean, uh, I think I said earlier, we we're just kind of chatting around I, this hiatus of COVID and, and what it's done to what I, the positive I think it can come from wrestling is that maybe the expectation level kind of drops a little bit. Like, let's all take a breath. We're going to see professional wrestling. Maybe we don't, you know, some of these companies that go a mile a minute don't have to go a mile a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's slow it down. Like a, a reset. Down. Maybe like, yeah, a, like yeah. a little bit of a reset. Let's, let's just calm it down. Like. They haven't seen live wrestling in in eighteen nearly eighteen months. Like the, now, when you do something, it should matter the most. We don't uh, have to <clears throat> shove it down their throat. I'm right. hearing I was I'm hearing that a lot of the WWE events that that are selling out really quickly. 
the live events that the they have scheduled for July. Yeah. That, and that they, that's they, the one they're going to have crowds at. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. going to have crowds that they're selling out. They're full mm-hmm. capacity and like selling out almost instantly. Well, people are um, craving for well, it. I'll tell you, we had we just started you know the birthday parties back up again, and we had one a few weeks ago, and there might have been thirty five people there, and it sounded like there were sixty five people. I mean, they were so enthusiastic about it. I mean, it was you know it's we, they haven't had that experience and that exposure for a year and a half or whatever, so. You know, they they definitely were very enthusiastic. And I I think to, like, you had the question to Greg. I I think it's time. I mean, you said, like, I I don't think there's any reason for people to feel unsafe anymore. Well, you know who else thinks it's time is AEW because that, that, just a week ago, double or nothing. And the fans were back for it. And Mm -hmm. uh, they were loud. Was that full capacity? I do not believe the Daily's place was full capacity, but it sure. It was. Oh, it was. It was. okay. It was. We're, our our studio director is actually whispering in our ear that uh, it was full capacity. Okay, but so it they, is an open environment, though, and they've, right? They've had crowds previously, but they've been scattered or spread out. So you know they're all they're all over the place. It doesn't give you that intimate, you know, there where you're feeding off the seating. energy of the random guy next to you. It was which, it, there wasn't special seating like they the were pods, in pods. Yeah, stuff, yeah. Right? I mean, like yeah. They do it for I'd be all for a little bit more spacing out at live events. I yeah. got to be honest because I can't tell you how many times like I've taken the kids to like WrestleMania or NXT or something like that, and I get the guy next to me oozing into my seat and it's Oof. like sweating on me and you know oh, it's 2010 like, Greg sitting I beside you. I wouldn't mind if <laughs> they you know the kept the pod thing up for yeah. a little while longer. Is I that, got no problems is, with is that. Is everybody anybody following like the like so the WWE is that happening in July and then after that there'll be no more. Um, and I think those are okay. outside. Are those out, all outside venues? Or uh, are they, now that I'm not sure, but I know okay. that I'm, I'm curious. Because like, I know I it just was a set start, schedule. The Thunderdome will be gone, and it'll be back to Dan. I think we're going to play this thing by right. ear, and we'll see. Know. But um, I mean, AEW kind of mm-hmm. uh, hit a home run, and rightfully so, because our number one guest, Leo Rush, debuted, and that Joker's Wild, or I don't know what it's called, the Battle Royal, mm-hmm. uh, had a little sh- Royale, casino, yeah. yeah, Casino Battle Royale had a showing of himself, so. Shout out to Leo. He got a great reaction. He was trending on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. very know, positive a good response. Now he's not, you know, exclusive with them. He's still not working yet, at, you know, at New Japan like, and everything. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's some yet. sort of he has a contract with New Japan, mm-hmm. and who has been with, working with AEW right. with, uh, seemingly. So yeah, and he was with MLW. He did not have a contract with MLW. Mm-hmm. Um, he was working on a per date, and this was a you know a a single shot, so to speak. But uh, you know, I'm sure. That's how a lot of these things happen. Right. You bring yeah. in as a surprise. I mean, how many, yeah. how many times over the years have you seen? You know, like Vince w- would gauge. You know, h- how many people got re-signed after the Royal Rumble? After the Royal mm-hmm. Rumble, Gold after the, right. yeah. After, right. I mean, so many people would get re-signed and get your, you know contracts after being just a a shot in the Royal Rumble, yeah. and they come mm-hmm. back and the place erupts for them. And next thing you know, they're signed to a multi-year deal. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not bad. It's not a bad way when you have that. That, you know, the ability to bring something in, any of the big companies, maybe they're following that template and they, and you, you see the reaction, you know, because if the crowd just completely craps on them, right. then, ah, well, you know. That you're not stuck one. with an expensive you're contract not, you're either. Not stu- you're not yeah. stuck where you contracted a guy for two to three years. So yeah. you kind of, well, let's let's see how they do. Let's see how the crowd reacts. and. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they had they had the fun. luxury of a live crowd to kind of get, to gauge the interest. Right. But then again, you go on your phone and you see what Twitter's doing. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. obviously, Jeez. just you know, he's you know, trending 
right there. That's you know for I me. I got the alert for that just so you know on my Twitter. Oh, on for my Leo phone. trending. Oh, it said that. Yeah. Did Leo you go Russia on to Twitter after you got oh, the alert? No, I See, just got the little there's blurb the second part. and I was you like, go, oh, okay. You go on and then you just retweet, mm-hmm. Tara. That's all it is. One little click. Just that for me. That's what I'm glad to get back to normal. Back to normal with the um with pro wrestling. As a promoter and someone that loves it, because what what I've hated about it, like I know what you're going to say, is, the canned heat. Yeah, like you know, how like, do you actually really judge without a crowd if someone is over? Basically, you then it's it's forced. It's yeah, it's the booker or whatever saying, "Oh, well, we want this guy to be over, so we're just gonna." Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because there's no live crowd. But when there's a live crowd. The crowd dictates, you know, you got to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like who's getting over, what's getting over, what works? Like how do you do that? Well, it, uh, in my opinion, it hinders a, a talent's ability to work a crowd. Yeah. Right. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? To 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 cultivate their skill set. When this doesn't work, I go right. to this and so forth. But also take into account the amount of physical, the physical toll it's taking on talent in a ring without feeding off the adrenaline of 20,000 people cheering them on. Like yeah. that first, that I think it, it might have been WrestleMania, maybe that first WrestleMania, there was like a three-way ladder match or some pay-per-view was a three-way ladder match. And I just thought to myself as a spectator watching it with a little bit of inside knowledge of the wrestling business going, man, that has to, every bump hurts twice as much. Twice as, yeah. Twice as much. Yeah. And because you don't have that crowd bringing you up. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like that scene in Amadeus when uh, they have the ballerinas or there's an opera and they've, they banned dancing to music. So at that one scene in during the opera where the ballerinas come out, the music stops and they're just like dancing on the stage and the oh. emperor's like, What what is this? Right. And he's like, Well, your your majesty, you've banned music and dancing, so we had to cut the music out of this part. And he's like, Something's just not right about this. <laughs> and that's 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 what what it is. Kofi's, yeah. you know, doing the clap, clap, clap. Clap and there's clap nothing and there. there's nothing there. Nothing. Right. There's right. nothing there. You know, right. and um, John Morrison falls off a ladder and hits, the, you know, hits the mat. And I just remember sitting there going, "Man, I know that hurt. Yeah, I know that hurt. T- just oh my god. Yeah, right. Because when you're feeding off the crowd and you have all that adrenaline going, you don't feel it. You no. know, you're just going on sheer energy at that point, and you, you know, the adrenaline you rush. Oh, sure, but yeah. yeah, to do that, I mean. You know, we've had birthday parties here where, you know, the the party kit has two or three friends that show up, you know, and it's like, so we get all the students from the back or anybody not in a match. We're like, go be in the crowd, go and react the way a crowd reacts, you know, and and go out there because the guys in the ring, they, they, you know, they need that. (laughs) You know. All right. Well, that's a. Those are a couple of topics for the Indie Roundup. Real quick, before we finish this up, I'm going to ask you, Greg, because you and I both go back to CZW days. A few weeks back, CZW tweeted out one word, soon. you have any idea what the skinny is with that soon, that CZW? Um, okay, so my hope of hopes would be soon they deactivate all their social media. That would be the soon <laughs> I would say. Listen, there's just some things in 2021 you don't get to come back from. I'm sorry. Um, with with everything that's going on and, and the treatment of talent, the treatment of women, the predatory nature that has happened in that company, uh, I, that would be my soon. Soon, you just turn it off and you say be done with it. You've sold the library. You've bastardized the library to, to no end. It holds no more merit and value to you anymore. There's just some things that some people – don't get to come back from, and I uh, that's that would be my soon for me. I spent ten years bleeding those colors, and, and I, 
you know, I say this today, I'm like, I'm a company guy. I want to be a part, I want to be a cog in the wheel. I want to help push the rock up the hill. That's me. It's how I'm built in all of my life's, all of my life's journey mm-hmm. is I want to help move this this way. And I just think it's, you know, I spent a decade of my life preaching. We don't have to like the owner, but if we're all in this together and I, you just, it needs to be done soon yeah. needs to end. Mm-hmm. Well, I just wanted to pick your brain about that because I have – that's one thing that I think is very scintillating right now with us coming back together as an industry and what's going on in the country is what some of the ones that have lied completely dormant. You already see what we're doing here at MCW Pro. We got the MCW cast rocking and rolling. Great guests like Greg Excellent and all of the rest. And uh, with that said, I guess we'll just have to wait with bated breath to see what happens in the next upcoming weeks. Well – Thank you so much, Greg. Yeah, thank Excellent. You. Please thank you so tell much Mama we said hello. I you certainly. Her too. I, I know. All right, we're going to bring you back, and you must bring her. Okay? That's right. Yeah. It'll be a two-parter. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the MCW Cast for Tara and Dan. I'm Larry Legend. Episode thank you. twenty-one in the books. Twenty-one gun salute. We'll see yep. you next week. <laughs>